Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Everyone, welcome to an this episode of Success Stories in Private Practice. I'm one of your hosts, Kelly Higdon, and today I'm joined by Melissa Spalding, a mental health counselor and owner of Guided Wellness Counseling in St. George, Utah. She is a group practice uh, that really is specialized in providing EMDR therapy and helping adventurous women overcome depression, anxiety, and trauma, in addition to therapy services. She does intensives and consultation. So if you're listening, you've been looking for an EMDR consultant, you might connect with Melissa. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you for joining me. Of course. It's so good to see you, Kelly. It's good to see you. All right. Well, everyone can hear you have a group practice and that you do consultation and all of these wonderful things, intensives and but that's not where you start. So no. can you talk a little bit about how you started your private practice and what it looked like? Yes. So I started my private practice seven years ago. Um, and it came out of about a decade of working in residential treatment um, with teenage girls, working in community mental health, and then being part of a group practice. And sort of like the the closest point to like just before going into private practice that is sort of my origin story is that when I was working at this group practice it was it was great to be out of residential and kind of get my feet wet and working with adults but they had this system that I think is really common um so not picking on anybody here but anybody would call and say I need a counselor and they'd say great Melissa has an opening at four and there really wasn't any attention paid to who was I doing excellent work with? And as a therapist over time, it started to feel really yucky because I knew I wasn't doing anybody harm, but I also knew I wasn't probably the best person to work with someone struggling with addiction. I knew I certainly wasn't the best person to be working with children. I think play therapy should be an entirely different degree. (laughs) I agree with that. I really do. (laughs) It really should. And so as I found myself feeling that I was like, well, who are the clients that like, I'm genuinely excited to see them. Like I almost kind of borderline want to be their friend. Like these are the people that I just really gel with. And it was women with trauma again and again and again. And so that's when I knew it was time to step away and it was time to specialize, not just for, for my own well-being, but for the well-being of clients. I think that when we really niche down, our clients benefit just as much, if not more than us. Mm -hmm. And so as you've niched down, can you kind of talk about the journey of your practice and how it's evolved over time? Yeah. So it started with just me and it was just me um, for the first four years. Um, which was wonderful. And I always thought that one day I'll have a waiting list and I'll know I had like, I've really made it right? like, <laughs> really needed. I'm really successful now. I've crossed the finish line. I have a waiting list. 
And then the moment came when I had a waiting list and it felt awful. Mm. It felt awful to think that people were waiting for services Mm -hmm. when really like, I'm good, but I'm not the only one that can serve people. And I didn't want people to be waiting. Um, Cause I like many, I know like many other therapists, I've had my own therapy and that's a hard call to make. And sometimes you've called four or five, six, seven places. And then to be put, I, and I was like, I don't ever want anyone to have to wait, not mm-hmm. ever. And so I thought if I can hire someone that is just as excited as me to serve women and, and is, is similar in their approach and, and their attitude and their values, then I want to bring them on the team. And that's when I started the process of expanding into a group. And then that was in Jan- July was when I had a waiting list. And then I made my first hire in October. And this was um, about a year ago. Mm-hmm. So 2021. 2001. Mm-hmm. I mean, I expanded into a group. Mm-hmm. I know that you're in St. George. My understanding of St. George when I drove through it, <laughs> it's small. It's not. Can you tell me about what it's like to build a practice in a smaller area? That's what has that experience been like for you? Yeah, I think that, um, well, I've never had to build a practice anywhere else, so I can't, I can't quite compare, but I've always had the attitude that mental health is not a competition. Everyone struggles with mental health. Absolutely. Everyone has at least one event in their life. That's going to challenge their mental health. So I've never felt like I was, um, competing for clients. I never felt like it was a competition. And with my attitude that I only want to serve the people that I can serve best. Mm -hmm. I want to get to know my therapeutic community so that I can make really amazing referrals. Mm -hmm. When, when clients call to book with me, if we're not a good fit and now I have an assistant that does my, we do a free 15 minute consultation. We like to refer to other specific clinicians in the community. We try not to just say, Hey, why don't you hop on psychology today? Right all the best. We really try to give names and numbers of people that we know and trust. Mm -hmm. Has it been hard to hire being in a smaller area or no? Um, not so far. Um, Mm -hmm. one of the, the cool things about living in St. George is we're a bit of a destination city Mm. and this is going to sound odd to some people, but I've met a lot of people that they felt called to be here. Mm. Like, we're surrounded by red rocks. We're very close to Zion national park. I can be in Zion national park in 40 minutes. Um, it's really beautiful. It's similar to Sedona. Um, and so I hear all the time from people that say, I don't know why I came to St. George, but I feel like the rocks called me. Mm. And I'm like, you're the 12th person to tell me that, that the rocks <laughs> called them. Like <laughs> it's, it's just kind of a special place. And even though we're small, we're, we're close to California mm-hmm. since COVID. We've had a lot of people come from California. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it hasn't, it hasn't felt too hard. I also just assume if, if I'm here and I'm quirky, I can't be the only fun quirky person in St. George. Like I'm not, I'm not that special. So <laughs> fine people. I, I love your fun. energy. I love your energy. So in forming the group practice, are you have this niche with women 
but you also have this other niche in terms of the way you work with women using EMDR. So how have you weaved that through in building a team? Yeah, that's been really important to me. And when you ask me that, I think of it in terms of, yeah, yeah, those are the clients we serve, but really what's our mission and what are our values? And um, that that's that's been absolutely massive. Like I can't stress it enough. I love talking about this. So one of the things that I have really founded my business on is this idea that secrets make us sick and shame gets passed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. And I will not and cannot have secrets and shame in my community. Mm-hmm. That's what guided wellness is about. And so with that, you know, I really feel like therapy needs to be a place where we can talk about anything. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that we can't say. There is no topic too taboo. And so when I'm hiring a therapist, I want to make sure that they're not going to get sweet squeamish if a client comes out as trans. Mm-hmm. I need to know that they're going to smile and nod if a couple comes in and says they're practicing ethical non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. Like those are things that I screen for, mm-hmm. um, you know, being in a smaller community, being in a bit more of a conservative community. Um, I really pride myself on making sure that this practice is a safe place for our clients. Mm-hmm. And that safety comes from the clinical team mm-hmm. that's here. It also mm-hmm. comes from, you know, our waiting room. And, you know, this year I, I wrote a letter to our landlord asking if we could get gender neutral mm-hmm. signs on our doors. And they were like, yeah, no big deal. We'll, we'll take down the male, female, boy, girl restroom signs and get it gender neutrals. So, you know, part of the work is that, but part of it is also making sure that my clinical team um, can handle the it's real safe. It's safe for the clients coming in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What would you say has been one of the hardest parts about building your practice? One of the hardest parts. It's always, it's always felt a little bit like arts and crafts to me. Like there's, like, like there's, there's parts of it that are hard. There's parts of it that are hard, but it's also like you get to make this really cool mm-hmm. engine mm-hmm. that's going to run just the way that, that you want to run it. And in just the way that benefits your team. So that takes a little bit of the pressure off mm-hmm. um, knowing that, that this is a creative process. I think that in the beginning, I really was very aware of the fact that I don't have a degree in business. Mm. And that was kind of my mantra. And it's funny because I was talking to another therapist just this last week who just went into private practice and her opening line was basically that, well, I don't have a degree in business, but I'm going to try this private practice thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like a lot of therapists kind of lead with that when we go into private practice. Well, I don't have a business degree. I've decided in 2023, I'm letting that go. Like Mm. I've been in private practice now for five-ish years, give or take. And clearly it doesn't matter at this point. And the number of people that own and run successful businesses that don't have a business degree, we're in really good company. Mm -hmm. Most people do not have business degrees. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think I'm just going to call out what I hear of shedding narratives that really don't serve the mission or the work, right? Like, how is that helpful? 
I don't, I don't have a business degree. Neither do I. And yet I have a business school for it's <laughs> like, it comes there's, and we've had people with MBAs go through that business school and be like, this is like getting an MBA, right? Yeah. Because it's like, well, yeah, you take all of your learning instead of going to an institution, you know, we took our learning and created something outside of it. And I think there, I think it's really cool to hear that even so many years into your practice, there's still some shedding to be done. Like it, there's still layers, like you still discover and you can come up against like, oh, that's not who, that's not true anymore. Or that never served me. And so it's an ongoing craft project yes. <laughs> of editing, right? You yeah. created something and then you go back, you look at it, you edit. My mom is an artist and she paints, um, watercolor and acrylic and she'll often come by a painting a few years later and like take it down and make an edit <laughs> you know oh yeah yeah you can change things as as you go mm-hmm. I think that's an important lesson in building your practice mm-hmm. yeah so how have you decided to then on top of therapy and on top of having clinicians also offering intensives and consultation how did that come to be because that's multiple streams of income in your practice right so the idea to start doing emdr intensives came to me probably two years ago before it was really a thing because now it's a thing like there i I just took a training on how to do how to do emdr intensives and i'm like well great i'm glad we're talking about this now i thought i made it up Mm -hmm. um so emdr intensives really came out of having some clients that were, that really could have benefited from EMDR, but they were on a time crunch. Like their trauma was preventing them from returning to work or returning mm-hmm. to functioning in their families. And it's like, wow. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of sources for EMDR would say best practice is a 90 minute session anyway. And so we started doing, you know, two 90 minute sessions a week. And then it's like, well, what if we just did a day together? you know, and, and I can talk more about how I do the structure of it, but kind of what it came down to is I think like many therapy sessions, but especially with EMDR, it's real easy to let, to lose the first 10 to 15 minutes of the session to checking in Mm -hmm. and then the last 10 minutes to wrapping up. And then you're really only in that sweet spot of, of reflection and growth and skill building for, you know, maybe 20 minutes out of that hour. Mm-hmm. And so when you do an intensive, I tell people, like, if I do a six hour intensive, it's not the same as six therapy sessions, correct? because you're gaining back 30 minutes of every hour mm-hmm. for the opening and the closing. So it's really the equivalent of doing like 10 therapy sessions mm-hmm. in a day, which mm-hmm. is really cool. But, um, I have loved doing that. I have seen my clients just move mountains during their intensives and, it requires a different mindset for me because when you're in it for the whole day, Mm -hmm. a lot can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Something can happen at lunch that totally throws off the course of what you were going to do. And so uh, I really mentally and emotionally prepare myself to be present for that day Mm -hmm. and and be there for it. Yeah. I think that's something we talk a lot to in the community about knowing yourself and what the service that you provide, whatever it is, how your body and energy response to it will dictate how you set up those kinds of services. And even in your schedule. So 
Some people only do intensives and then they spread them out in a certain way. Or some people will do their weekly sessions. And then the final week of the month, that's when they do their intensives so that, you know, so there's so many different ways to put it together, but in a way that honors you and what you need in order to show up well for those kind of more intense times. Yeah. And I'm still figuring out what intensives look like for me in the future, because, and this is a, a great tidbit for anyone that's considered doing this. I haven't openly marketed doing intensives. There's right. something that I offer to current clients yes. that seem to benefit from that longer time frame. Yeah. I, I think that's what we recommend to start with is that if you're going to do intensives first, do it with clients that you currently have. And then once you have your flow and format um, clarified, then you can, if you want, you can start marketing it if you want. Some people choose never to. Some people choose only to ever offer it to people that they have been seeing on weekly, mm-hmm. you know. I've also seen it the other way where you have to do an intensive first before you would move into regular. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of options, which there is really cool. Options. Yeah. How do you make time for all this stuff? <laughs> Consulting and running a practice and I'm figuring it out. I, I will be totally honest. Yeah. My team has been saying to me, they've they've been giving me a, a compliment, and I have to kind of put air quotes around this compliment. <laughs> um, they say things like, We don't know how you do it all. Mm. And I know that they mean well, but it's also one of those things when it's like, because I am so type A and because I cope by overachieving, when people start saying to me, wow, I don't know how you do it all. I don't know how you make the time. To me, that needs to be a red flag that I need to do a serious self-assessment. So I don't know how I'm making time for it all. Mm. Um, Honestly, I, I work really well. I've, I've learned how to kind of get myself into a flow of work and create environments where I can be in a state of flow and, and be in a peak state. But then I often find after some time in that, I have days where I just crash and I'm like, okay, I'm not doing anything today. I'm ordering Domino's and watching Netflix. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know you know, I just, I just reflect on that, that I have days where I need to check out and that's okay. But yeah, I think, well, I appreciate you being honest, right? Because I think for anyone listening, it's good to hear that the work is never done, first of all, on ourselves. And like, I am in this quandary right now at the moment of how much do I want to work? And when do I want to work? And I am really not as type A as I used to be. So where's the balance of not being type A, but still getting stuff done. Um, So even 12 years in, I'm still kind of curious and trying to explore it. So one of the things that I, I think is important is that you're being curious. Absolutely. And I, I think that balance, like you said, it's, it's always ongoing. I use the the visualization with people of when we think of somebody walking on a tightrope, mm-hmm. right? Like they have to have excellent balance. But if you watch that person, they are constantly making micro adjustments to to yeah. their muscle tone, to the tension, yeah. to the the where they hold the tension in their body, and that's that's life. You know mm-hmm. what worked for me when 
my kiddos were in daycare before they were in school was one thing. Um, now they're both, I've got one in preschool and one in kindergarten. Now they're getting to the age where they're starting to have after school activities like gymnastics and scouts. And that's changing how I feel about the hours and days that I worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I've, I've become more introverted with motherhood. Mm-hmm. I, I put a higher value on my alone time and my quiet time before and that Mm -hmm. affects Mm -hmm. kind of work that I want to be doing maybe more Mm -hmm. consultation less time with clients Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well for people listening to your story of I mean to cover the years of practice in a synopsis is kind of hard but for people listening what do you think are you had a lesson to give to someone in practice who wants to create that group practice or wants to just have a practice that they really love and are excited about. I mean, if anyone's listening to this, you can tell Melissa loves what she does and it's genuine. It is genuine from your heart. What lesson would you want to give to someone listening? I will say that the thing that I've never regretted that I would highly recommend is being bold in the clients and issues that you want to serve. Mm. Um, one of the things that, that makes my community unique, and, and this is something that I'm stepping more into as I consider another hire, is that um, it is very conservative religiously. And when people leave the majority conservative religion that is in Southern Utah, it can be very isolating. Um, People fear for their marriages. They fear for their jobs when they leave their faith. And it's not something popular to talk about here. But when I had clients that were having a faith crisis, which is the language that they use, um, I saw people that were, that felt like they had to keep it in secret. And I saw them carrying shame And I saw them being in pain and alone. And I thought, I want to serve these people. Like I'm going to put out there that I unapologetically serve people having a faith transition. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had people say like, your practice is going to get shut down. Mm. (laughs) Well, that just means I have to do it because like, again, I can't have shame and secrecy in my community. Like I can't, it's going to make us sick. We're going to go down. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, another thing that that is um, unique about my community is that there there's a history of polygamist family structures here. Mm-hmm. Um, we still see a lot of that. We see a lot of polygamist families um, unraveling through the, the fundamentalist LDS church um, and Warren Jeffs. That's all very local to where I live. And so now to be talking about modern couples practicing ethical non-monogamy um, or having open marriages or, or practicing polyamory. That's all very hot topic. It's a little sensitive here, but again, I see responsible, healthy adults trying to live loving, respectful, safe relationships that feel good to them. And I don't want them having secrecy or shame, right? But I know it's going to raise some eyebrows. Yeah. I think we have to know why we're doing this work. Why would we take that risk to say, this is who I'm going to serve? Well, it's because everyone deserves good mental health. That's why. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I won't apologize for people having access to mental health care. There you go. So be bold (laughs) bold in who you want to serve. Mm, I love that. 
Melissa, where can people learn more about you if they are looking for consultation or they need a therapist in St. George or they want to work with uh, your practice? Where can they contact you at? Yes. So they can find the website at www.guidedwellnesscounselingut.com. Yes. And then on Instagram, we're Guided Wellness Counseling. Yes. And for EMDR consultation, I am the EMDR consultant. Woo! I know. I got a good one. <laughs> you did get a good URL. <laughs> that EMDR consultant. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Melissa, thank you for sharing and just showing up fully as how you always do. The energy, your heart, it's palpable. And I love being around it. It's infectious and inspiring. Yeah. All right. So if you've been inspired by today's talk with Melissa, I encourage you to share this podcast, follow this podcast. And you can also check out zinnime.com for over 15 hours of free training and other support because you can create success, whatever that looks like to you in your private practice. We'll see you next time. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.